So I did this skibbly and welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's. Today, not going to be doing Latin grammar. We're not going to be doing a Q&A. We're going to be actually taking a bunch of uh, really interesting words, I thought, when etymologized and pitted with the actual definition of the word. Um, so we're going to just kind of dive into linguistics today. We're going to look at some words that you very well know of uh, that you see all the time in your modern day world. Words like avocado or avocado, rather, avocate, um, you know, things like disaster, handicap, the word for genes. What, you, did you know where that came from? Well, we'll figure out if you stay tuned. Also things like salary, smorgasbord, um, trivial. So if you're curious and you want to learn a little bit more, I would love to have you. I also want to address that I know, because I, I don't know, I've just been thinking about this since my Q&A, but um, I know that I said a lot of like, maybe things that could have uh, potentially made, uh, you know, some people a little meh or whatever. And I just want to, I want to go back and let everybody know and, or just speak to those that are like, oh, Liam was speaking uh, like speaking for me and speaking and blah, 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 and this and that. And I'm like, no, I, what I want to say is that, um, I'm always on your side. Um, especially when I speak to the, the parents, you know, and you know, the, the issues that arose when we were talking about, um, you know, gender and, uh, you know, identification, especially within school now. And, you know, especially, you know, so much is it embedded from like, you know, kindergarten all the way into middle school. And, you know, it's just become such m more of an issue nowadays. And um, I know I, because uh, I listen to a lot of it uh, and I rarely listen to my podcast, but um, I realized that, you know, I, I have a lot to say about it. And I realized that I went off on it because I really do. I care about your uh, your kids, my, my students. And that's something that I, I know. And when I say that I, I'm not a I'm parent, I'm a teacher, and I come from the per perspective of a teacher, I am also coming from the perspective of someone that really cares um, as, uh, as I look at my students as almost like proxy kids. Um, I really, you know, I'm, I'm there for them. I, you know, sometimes I'm not a Latin teacher. Sometimes I'm just a support system. Sometimes I'm there to listen. I'm there to hear them out. Um, I'm there to create a safe space so that they can tell me what's on their mind, what's going on, why they're not showing up, why they're showing up late, why they're not doing the work. You know, I'm always here. And that's the thing about, um, this day and age is that we don't provide that space where we realize that our students have so much more going on in their lives aside from the fact that they're at school, right? We see them for a snapshot of time, right? We have no idea what they're going through. I get just about, you know, an, an hour with your kid at the day, um, at school every day. And that's just a snapshot. So I always am, I'm trying to create that space because I know, like, like I said, I, the reason why I say I know I'd be a good dad is because I kind of look at these kids as my own in a way and how I would treat them if they were my own kids and how I would support them and how I would lift them up and how I would make them feel seen and heard in this very 
crappy world that we live in. I really don't like my world right now. I'm sure a lot of people don't like this world right now. I wish it was way more of a a cohesive place. And so I just wanted to go back and talk about that just briefly and let everybody know that, hey, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on, I, I kind of lean left. And then I also kind of lean right, um, in that respect with, um, you know, the gender stuff with the kids, because I'm all about entertaining it, but I'm not about, you know, entertaining, uh, invasive measures when they're just kiddos. And I think that that is a reasonable stance. I don't think that that is, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's problematic. I, I really don't. I think that, I mean, we, we didn't do that back in the day. I understand, like I said, there are definitely environmental factors that are happening that are changing the biology of um, humans a lot of the time that we're creating a lot more, um, you know, very weird circumstances in biology because of all the chemicals that we've just thrown and into our world. But yeah, I don't know. There you go with that. I just wanted to kind of re relay that message and let everybody know that, uh, I've been thinking about it and I want everybody to know that, uh, that it all comes from a place of love and understanding and wanting to lift up our generation, right? Like I said, my favorite quote, and I'm going to have to pull it up because I forget. Actually, no, if you're, if you're planning for a year, um, you know, sow rice, if you're planning for a decade, plant trees. And if you're planning for a lifetime, educate people. I really believe that. I think that my job is a really important job that really doesn't give a lot of attention. Like I said, it's very thankless. A lot of the time I go throughout my life, um, realizing it's a pretty thankless job, especially with, uh, the, the meager amounts I'm paid and that everybody else is very, very well aware of. But still, I think that what I'm doing is noble. Um, and I'm just trying to do the best that I can with what with the tools that I have in my toolbox. All right. So, and I know that I'm going to get more tools as I go and develop and grow as an instructor and as a uh, teacher and an individual and a dude trying to navigate this world in many ways, shape and form. I don't know. I'll shut up now, but I just want you guys to know that, uh, when I say that I, I'm here for the students and I'm here for, and, uh, for the, uh, any parent, um, that I'm, I'm speaking to right now, I'm, I'm there for those kids. And in fact, when I, I know that I was talking to, uh, about like parents and how, like, you know, like a lot of the time those are the blind leading the blind. That's really isn't the case where I teach now, as opposed to where I have taught in the past, where, you know, I had conversations with kids where kids told me that their parents were in jail, you know, the, the, their mom was in jail, that she had just like robbed like a string of three. Yeah. Like, it, or like, you know, there was another, you know, mom walked out on the kid, took all of the, the electronics and, and left the mom, uh, the, the daughter and the, the, the dad, you know, alone. like it, it, there were just a lot of really heartbreaking situations. Like when they told me that kind of stuff and they, and they would tell it to me so nonchalant as if like it was nothing. And I know that that's how they cope with it and that's how they deal with it. 
Um, but they would also like, I always thank them as well because I was like, I was like, you know, that's, that takes a lot of gumption. That takes a lot of courage to, to put yourself out there and to be truthful with me and honest with me. And, and I really appreciate that you trust me, um, to tell me something like that. And, um, and that's what I, I, that's where, where I'm at. I just want to create a space where kids can come to me and they can feel like they can just be like, you know what, Mr. Connerly, today is not my day. This is what's going on. I know that I haven't been showing up. I haven't been doing my work. I know, but like you said, like, as long as I can uh, have this conversation with you, Mr. Connerly, um, and let you know where I'm at, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm performing this way in class and in school a lot of the time. I don't know. It just, the, just create that space for them. Not, uh, and when I say that uh, safe space, I'm not, I'm not trying to be all wishy-washy dumb. Like when they were like making those stupid cry closets, when, you know, it's finals week and it's like, oh, I'm so stressed. I'm going to go in the cry closet and cry it out a little bit. It's like, no, come on, sh suck it up. You're in college at this point. All right. You're in college. You understand what it is during finals week. I don't agree with finals at all. I think it's stupid that we wear stress as a badge of honor, but still, I don't think that you need to go into a cry closet, hug a bunch of stuffed animals, and uh, that's your cathartic release. If that is, then uh, you really need to grow up in this world uh, because you can't be doing that after college, and you shouldn't really be doing that in college because as a college student, it's the this is the opportunity for you to develop yourself as, a hum as an adult without actually having all of the adulting that you got to do, all the bills, all the things, all the... The, the, the nine to five or whatever. So I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to a, a safe space where I'm here. I'm listening. I'm not talking at you. I'm not mansplaining at you. I'm not doing anything other than just listening and saying, I hear you. I'm saying maybe, maybe it, it's not okay right now, but it's going to be. And the beauty about life is that there is pain, but that pain goes away and there is joy and that joy goes away. And that shows you that everything is salient. Everything is transient. Happiness is transient. Sadness is transient. And the thing that you're going through now is transient. It will go, it will pass. It may not feel like it will right now, or maybe in a week or a month, but it will at some point. That's what sadness is. That's what grief is. That's how we iterate through these emotions and how we feel them. We don't, oh, that, and, and we want to feel those things. We want to go through those. We don't want to shove them aside. We don't want to dissociate from them because that's an aspect of who we are. We don't want to deny that. We don't know, want to deny the feelings, the emotions that humans have because we don't really even know scientifically what they are. I mean, that's another thing that science has yet to scratch the surface on. Like, what the heck are emotions? Like, what is sadness? What is happiness? What is joy? I don't even know why we have words for these things because it's like God, like, for instance, like it's something so intangible that you can't really understand. It's like love. It's why we write about love, why, we've ta why I've talked about the reason as to which I understood why all these other people write about love write poetry about love, write books about love, write songs about love is because nobody understands it. But by writing it, you can kind of work through it and make it more physical. When you put it on paper, paper you make it more physical. Paper, 
You make it more physical. You make it more tangible. That's why a lot of the time when you're going through really hard things, I urge you to journal. I urge you that like when things arise, take a moment, don't shove it aside, feel it and journal about it. And journaling about it helps you be self-aware to what you are feeling, what is going on, why you're feeling it. And it's better than coping with doing some sort of really, you know, not so productive thing. Like other people might dissociate by drinking or resorting to drugs or whatever, you know, that's, that's, that, that's what humans do a lot of the time in order to get away from the pain, they numb it, they, they dissociate, they numb it. And you, they, it really does like those substances People abuse those substances for for real. They want to escape the reality. It's the same thing with video games. It makes me realize why I loved playing the Elder Scrolls Oblivion, Oblivion so much as a kid and all those RPG games is because I basically was able to immerse myself in my own world. I could go into this beautiful world of Cyrodiil where it, was, it just looked like this beautiful green um you know, landscape where I could traverse all over. I could go from snowy mountains to, to, to marshes. I could interact with people. I could put points into my charisma, into my intelligence. I could build myself up. I could buy weapons. I could buy equipment. I could, I could make my drip look rocking awesome. I could make my guy look really cool, especially with the Imperial dragon armor at the end of the game. But that's what I realized is that the reason why I loved video games as a kid is because I was relentlessly bullied, so I didn't have friends. So what was I going to do? I was going to resort to something that I could immerse myself in that wasn't actually reality. It wasn't reality. I was talking to my dad and I was like, you know what I love to do in oblivion so much? Cause my dad used to make fun of me and my brother. Cause we would just kind of like run around all over like Cyrodiil and stuff like that. And he would do like the motion, like, Oh, you guys playing that game where you're just like running around all the time. I'm like, yeah, dad. But the reason why I realized <clears throat> that I don't really like playing those video games as much now as I did as a kid is because I kind of like, well, what I would do in Skyrim, that, or I mean Oblivion, and then later in Skyrim when I was high school, because Skyrim didn't come out until I was in high school. Look at that. I got into another ramble tangent, but it's okay. Um, but I realized that um, I love to just hike throughout Cyrodiil. I love to get on my horse and I love to go see these vast, um, you know, landscapes. I don't know what it is about me, but I love landscapes. I love the wide world. Something uh, that people know about me is that uh, a type of artwork that I really love, um, beautiful, detailed landscapes. I don't know why. I love, um, I love all types of artwork, but that's one that I, I think that like, if it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful landscape, I'm just drawn to it. I don't know. It's just the wide world comforts me. It really does. And so it did in oblivion where I just, I got to see, I remember I would save games, but I would make it so that when I saved the game, it would, it, it would make it so that when I, I would load the game back up. I would be imprinted right upon where I had left off. And usually where I had left off was overlooking a vast, um, you know, view of some sort. I would always try and do that. I don't know why. But now what I've realized is that since I don't really like doing that now as a dude, um, as a 27-year-old, 
I, I like to do that in the real world now. I want to go on bike rides and I want to go on hikes and I want to get deep into the wilderness and I want to go. That's why I love bikepacking is because I can go to a trailhead, load up my bike, bike back, and I can go further than hiking for sure. And, um, and can I feel, I can feel like I'm in a place where not many people have been and it's like untouched. It's a really humbling thing. Like I said, the wide world comforts me. So with that being said, if you haven't already, I would really appreciate you guys go and support me over at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, and yeah, let's get on into these uh, these fun fun words. And uh, yeah. Alrighty, so we're going to start off with our first word here, avocado. So the word avocado comes from the Nahuatl uh, word, which is uh, ahuacatl. Ahuacatl, spelled A-H-U-A-C-A-T-L, which means testicle. Um, well, this is because the avocado fruit is shaped like a testicle. The Nahuatl word was borrowed into Spanish as aguacate, later into avocate, and then into English we get avocado. Also, a little note here with avocado. I think this is fun. There's no real any Latin or anything like that. It's more Spanish oriented, and that uh, that 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 Nahuatl, um, I don't think has any derivations from uh, the Roman. So that's a that's a different type. That's the, the Central American um, uh, Spanish. So the word avocado is also interesting though because it's a it has a false cognate. And what is a false cognate? A false cognate is a word that looks like it has the same meaning in two different languages. So, uh, but actually, it has a, a different meaning altogether. In this case, the Spanish word avocate. Um, it looks like it has the same meaning as the English word avocado, but it actually also just means testicle. So if you didn't know, now you know. Aguacate is spelled aguacate. A-G-U-A-C-A-T-E. <clears throat> if you didn't know, now you know. Funny how words come to be. Cappuccino is going to be our next word. Cappuccino, the word cappuccino comes from the Italian word cappuccino, which means hood. Think that that's kind of funny. This is because the foam on top of a cappuccino is said to resemble a monk's hood. That is, if you know how to steam the milk well. Um, people don't really know the difference between cappuccino and a latte, so I'll go ahead and do that real quickly because I was a barista for like four or five years and all that good stuff. So managed coffee shop for a while. Um, so latte is steamed milk. Same thing with cappuccino. The pro uh, the, the deal is, is that lattes are not as steamed. Like it, uh, ba basically cappuccinos are just the foam. Like you just steam the frick out of it, but you got to steam it well so that the foam doesn't burn and it doesn't, um, uh, it, because if you, if you, uh, steam milk too long, it's going to kind of, it's not going to create that nice texture 
of that latte where you can create the latte art. You could create the cappuccino art or something like that. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can with cappuccino because some people really want like a lot of foam and it to be really foamy. Sometimes you just got to do whatever the person asks you to do because I've gotten quite a, quite a many requests that were really weird. But um, yeah, cappuccino is just basically like it's just super foamed out milk versus latte is just it's an espresso shot with steamed milk. Same thing with a cappuccino. It's just you're not going to get as much uh, steamed milk with a cappuccino. It's just going to be more of a kind of like the the, the the texture of it, I guess. <clears throat> the word cappuccino was first used, I believe, in the early 1900s. Um, I know that it was used to describe uh, the type of coffee drink that was made with espresso and steamed milk. Um, so also a little note here, the, ca the word cappuccino is also interesting because it has uh, a loan word. Now, what is a loan word? A loan word is a word that is borrowed from another language. So in this case, the word cappuccino was borrowed from Italian into English. There you go. That's, uh, that's, the term, right? We don't we don't change it from cappuccino into anything else. We just keep it as cappuccino. Disaster, disaster. The word disaster comes from the Italian Italian word disastro, um, which means ill star. It actually comes from the compound word consisting of the Latin dis meaning bad and astra meaning star. So bad star, essentially ill star. This is because a disaster was originally initially thought to be an event that was caused by unfavorable alignment of the stars. The word disaster was first used in English in the early 1600s. The word disaster also is pretty interesting because it has changed in the in its meaning over time. Originally, a disaster was an event that was caused by an unfavorable alignment of the stars. However, the meaning of the word has changed over time and now it refers to any event that causes great harm or destruction. Okay, so you didn't know now you know next word handicap handicap the word handicap comes from the old english word handcuffed um chaoffed. i'm not sure how to correctly pronounce that because i couldn't find someone to help me out on google but it's spelled hand h-a-n-d um and this is all one word c-e-a-f-t so chaoffed i don't know handcuffed which means handcraft the word handicapped is a compound word consisting of the words hand, meaning hand, and cap means to cover. This is because a handicap was originally a physical disability that prevented someone from doing something. So the word handicap was first used back in the 14th century. It's still used nowadays. You know, I, now it's innervated quite many a discipline. It doesn't always refer to somebody that is uh, physically dis uh, disabled. Uh, in one way, shape, or form. It also can refer to somebody like, hey, a handicap in golf. Um, if you're not a scratch golfer, you probably have a handicap of uh, zero to uh, bad. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, man, I, I actually remember how handicaps work in golf, I do believe. Anyways, Next one, jeans. The word jeans comes from the Italian word Genova, which means Genoa, Genoa, the Italian city, Genoa. This is because jeans were originally made there in Italy. So if you didn't know, now you know. Jeans got the word. It actually comes from Genoa, 
or Genua um, in the Italian. So there you go. Next one, salary. The word salary comes from the Latin word salarium, which means salt money. This is because Roman soldiers were paid in salt. The word salary was also used uh, in English in around the 13th century. They were paid in salt. Why were they paid in salt? Well, hey, you, got, you need your electrolytes, right? But also, hey, didn't we have wars over salt back in the day? Didn't we have wars over sugar? Have you guys realized how salt can really uh, heighten the, the, the taste profile of a certain food? Hey, how about, for instance, we take, uh, for example, an avocado. Have you ever tried an avocado with and without salt? The first time I did, my mind was blown. They taste like two different things, in my opinion. Same thing here with coffee. I put a little pinch of, my, of salt in my coffee now, um, especially when uh, I, I reheat my coffee, and it, ha it makes it delish, and uh, it brings out flavor profiles. That's what salt does. That's why we have it. It's a flavor enhancer. Same thing with pepper. That's why we have spices. Um, so yeah, salt is a very sought out for thing. And Roman soldiers were paid in salt back in the day. Next word, trivial. Let me get a little sippy sip here. I'm going to do a one off here. I'm not going to pause it. Uh, wait, hold, judging if or no, we got plenty of time. Okay. Trivial comes from the Latin word trivium, which means three roads. This is because, well, first off, let's look at it. It is the assimilated form, tree meaning three, and via meaning road or way. That's where we get three roads. This is because a trivium was a place where three roads met, and it was often associated with unimportant things, right? You take one, two, or three. It's a crossroads, if you will. The word trivial was first used in English in the 15th century, and now it just really refers to something uh, that is of little importance or value. So if you didn't know, now you know. comes from the Latin. There's a Latin one for us. Whiskey. Whiskey, the word whiskey comes from the Gaelic word uskibetha, which means water of life. This is because whiskey was originally thought to have medicinal properties. The word whiskey was first used in English in the 17th century. Um, medicinal properties also, you know, like uh, spirits like that were known to be uh, uh, called as digestives or I believe digestives. No, that's the biscuit. Well, they, they were known to be digestive aids, essentially, right? They, frick, maybe they were referred to as digestives. Either way, um, <clears throat> maybe it was also water of life because it kind of burns your throat going down. And it's like, whoa, 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 wakes you up a little bit. I don't know. Next one, smorgasbord. This is the a Swedish word. It comes from the Swedish word, actually, smogishbog, uh, meaning bread and butter table. This word refers to a buffet-style meal that typically features a variety of cold dish dishes such as meats, cheeses, and salads. The word smorgasbord was first used in English around the early 1900s, and it became quickly popular 
um, to describe a lavish feast. But now we can also just like refer to it as a smorgasbord of just about anything and everything. You know, if there's just like something of a gamut and it's just thrown right in front of you, you got everything all right out in front of you. It looks like a smorgasbord. All right, next one, surf. This comes from the Latin word servus, spelled servus. Remember, V's are always pronounced as W's. Servus. <clears throat> Got a little tickle in my throat. Meaning slave. This word refers to a person who is bound to the land and is not free to move about. Serfs were common in medieval Europe, and they were often treated as property by their landlords. So the word serf is still used today, but it is typically used in a historical context. But that's where we get it from. Serf comes from servus, meaning slave. Quip. Quip from the Middle English word. Quippen, meaning to joke. This word refers to a witty or sarcastic remark, rather. Quips are often used in conversation to make a point or to add humor to something. The word quip has been in use since about like the 15th century, I believe. Um, I don't know if it's that much of a popular word nowadays, but uh, yeah, that's what it means. And our final word here is going to be malaise, coming from the, the French word malaise, meaning illness. Um, this word refers to a general feeling of discomfort or unease. So malaise can be caused by physical illness, but it can also be caused by emotional or physiological factors or psychological factors. The word malaise has been used ever since the 19th century and is still pretty much a common word. I hear it sometimes. I don't know about you guys. Um, but yeah, with that being said, that's all I got for y'all today. Hope you learned something new and you found these words to be rather interesting. And, you know, I'm trying to veer off in different directions and not just entertaining one avenue. I'm trying to entertain a broader audience, if you will. And I hope that uh, you maybe gleaned some cool information from it and or you just enjoyed this episode or maybe you like the intro or whatever. Or if you did, uh, I would appreciate, as I always ask, that very, very very free way of supporting me. I don't ask for a Patreon or whatever. I don't ask for a donation. That's, I think that's silly in my opinion. I don't need that kind of stuff. I'm pretty much fine doing what I need to do unless I wanted to try and get better equipment and stuff like that. And then I would do a Patreon maybe, but I probably wouldn't do that either. Um, but that being said, a free way to support me, help me out. Would love it. I would appreciate it. In fact, Please do it. Do it on Apple Podcasts, especially because then you can write a little blurb and I would love to shout you out. That's what I like to do. Whenever somebody throws down a new rating on Apple Podcasts, especially, I want to praise you. I want to praise you for praising me because it's all about respect in this world, right? You see me, I see you, and that's how the world really should work. That's how we ought to be. Not transactional, but being able to see one another. So with that being said, Remember to thank yourself and maybe thank somebody else in your life that you really appreciate. With that being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And until next time, Tempo Sest to Skelray.